John chapter 6 is our sermon passage for this evening. And then we will consider the questions and answers of Lord's Day 28 as well. So if you would go to page 36, the back of the blue hymnal, we'll read those answers together. John chapter 6, the bread of life discourse in Jesus. This is a long chapter, wonderful truth found throughout. Let's begin reading at verse 53. Verse 53 and read through verse 57. We'll, we'll focus on most of that passage, but we'll begin reading at verse 53 of John chapter 6. This is God's word. He gives it to us, his people, for our good. Let us give our attention to its reading. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God endures forever. Amen. Then, Lord's Day 28, question 75. We jumped forward. We skipped Lord's Day 27, so we'll kick back to that next week as we consider the Reformed Doctrine of Infant Baptism. But uh, since we're gathering around the table tonight, I thought it appropriate to consider the teaching of our catechism on the Supper of the Lord. So let's read the answers together. How does the Lord's Supper remind you and assure you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts? In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat this broken bread And to drink this cup. With this command, he gave this promise. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely his body was offered and broken for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, As surely as I receive from the hand of him who serves and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord, given me as sure shines of Christ's body and blood, so surely he nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life with his crucified body and poured out blood. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his poured out blood? It means to accept with a believing heart the entire suffering and death of Christ and by believing to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But it means more. Through the Holy Spirit, 
who lives both in Christ and in us, we are united more and more to Christ's blessed body. And so, although he is in heaven and we are on earth, we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, and we forever live on and are governed by one spirit as members of our body are by one soul. Then one more on the next page. Where does Christ promise to nourish and refresh believers with his body and blood as surely as they eat this broken bread and drink this cup? In the institution of the Lord's Supper, the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This promise is repeated by Paul in these words. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. The Reformed doctrine of the Lord's Supper is a bit of a middle way between some of the famous doctrines of the Lord's Supper that we would think of today, particularly the Roman Catholic doctrine of the Lord's Supper and a more evangelical or what some might call a Zwinglian view of the Supper, which basically would just say it's merely a memorial, it's merely a memory. And in order to understand the significance of this sacrament more, we need to to give ourselves to God's word and the right consideration of all that uh, we see in the scriptures regarding the Lord's Supper. What we confess is that in this meal, what we feast on is not the carnal body and blood of Jesus Christ. But that does not mean that we do not eat truly and drink, eat truly the body and drink the blood of Christ in the supper. We do that by the power of the Spirit. This frustrates people because most will say that they would prefer either we have kind of that, that very hyper-literal view of the Roman Catholic Church, transubstantiation, the literal body, the carnal body and blood of Christ, or there's really nothing going, at, going on in the supper, nothing special as far as it being a means of God's grace. But of course, this misses the crucial role of the Holy Spirit in this blessed sacrament. And, and we also need to recognize that this is something that God has ordained for our good. He gives us the means of grace 
for our good. And so we take consideration of that, brother and sister, and we say, would God have given this to us? Would Christ have ordained this meal for us if he did not have good and blessing promised within it? The soul has need of nourishment, and we find that nourishment in God, as we read in Psalm 63, that we will be satisfied as with fat and rich foods. Our souls will be satisfied in God. Our soul needs food. And God, specifically Jesus Christ, is the food for our souls. And he is the only proper food for our souls. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. John Calvin said famously that our souls can only feed and only be nourished by Jesus Christ. And this is true. It goes to the core of who we are as human beings. What were we created to do? To know God, to love God, to serve God, and thus to be joined to him in his covenant, to be joined to him through his gospel and in his son, is the fulfillment of what we were created to be. That's what it means to be fully human, to know and love and serve and glorify God. To make anything else food for our souls, anything other than Jesus Christ, is like uh, chugging poison, liquid poison, or it's like jumping off of a building in order to feel like flying. The moisture on my tongue when I chug liquid poison may relieve a dry mouth, but as it goes down into the body, it will only destroy. The feeling of weightlessness may bring exhilaration, but gravity will bring you down to the, bo- to the bottom. In life, there are many different foods for our bodies, all with varying tastes, all with varying benefits uh, and levels of health benefits. Take, for in- instance, steak. Perfectly delicious and perfectly healthy. The same with bacon, cheeseburgers, pizza, and ice cream. See, they all, they all taste delicious, and they're all wonderfully healthy. And does your pastor have that right? Maybe not. Uh, not so tasty and questionable benefits, questionable benefits, cauliflower and broccoli, right? They taste bad and they're not good for you. At least this is what I tell myself. You can correct me if I'm wrong later. But you get the point. We can eat many different things. We can be satisfied with many different things. And they all have varying levels of health benefits for us and for our body. But spiritually, we have one food, Jesus Christ. And him alone. So then what does it mean to eat the crucified body and drink the shed blood of Jesus Christ? We learn that in our catechism. It lays it out perfectly clearly and it tells us what it means. In short, it means to believe in Jesus Christ and to abide in him. To believe in Jesus Christ and to abide in him. That's what it means to eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus Christ. So first, it means to believe. The catechism says, Quote, to embrace with the believing heart all the sufferings and the death of Christ and thereby to obtain the forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Theologians and Bible scholars have looked at John 6 for centuries and uh, there has been, there's been ongoing discussions all the time about to what extent is Jesus speaking about the, the Lord's Supper here? And to what extent is he talking about communion? Well, it would, in my, it would be silly to think that there's no reference here 
to the Lord's Supper, to communion. But we have to come at it in the, in the right way. And the, I think the key to understanding John 6 is in understanding the closeness between verses 40 and 54 in the 6th chapter of John. Listen to John 6, verse 40. Jesus says, My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. There's no confusion in that statement by Jesus. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him has eternal life, and he who has eternal life will be raised up at the last day, the sovereign grace of God in saving His people. And then listen to John 6, verse 44. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So these verses are perfectly parallel, but verse 40 says, whoever looks to the Son and believes in him has eternal life, and he is raised up. Verse 54 says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and he is the one who will be raised up at the last day. The way that we put these two verses together, it's scripture interprets scripture, helps us understand it in a better and clearer way, a more meaningful way. The teaching of John 6 shows us that Christ to eat Christ's flesh and to drink his blood is to believe in him. Let's consider that a little more closely. We speak often of faith as trust, faith as central to the Christian life. It's a confidence in Christ. It's a, a looking to him as our hope. We, when we think of it with this picture of eating and drinking, along with the, the catechism's terms of accepting all that Jesus Christ has done for us, it's a picture of grasping onto Jesus, of taking hold of him, and taking all of those saving benefits to ourselves, in a sense, internalizing them, that his salvation goes down into the depths of who we are as we eat his body and drink his blood. We're embracing the promise of the gospel that Jesus Christ is our righteousness, that we are not righteous in ourselves. We embrace the truth that he is our savior, and it is at the cross that our sins are fully forgiven, that our sins are fully paid for. We embrace the justice of God, that he was just in pouring out his wrath upon his son, and yet loving that he sends his son to the cross to be salvation for sinners. We look to Christ, all that he was and all that he is, and we say that we believe, that we understand that here in Christ, at Calvary, at the cross, this is where salvation happens. This is where our salvation is purchased. It is finished. We do not need to search anywhere else. We do not need to look elsewhere to be reconciled to God. We do not need to keep trying to find something else for the answers of our deepest spiritual needs. In Christ, we have all that we need. What more do we need, as the Belgian Confession puts it? Right? To, to go and search somewhere else would be to say that he is only half a savior, that he would be no savior at all. To eat his flesh, to drink his blood, it first means to believe, and it also means to abide. It means to believe, and it also means to 
abide. Verse 56 of John 6, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. To abide means to remain. And uh, this, of course, brings more of, of a continuing aspect, an ongoing aspect of our spiritual lives, what we're talking about here. In other words, Christ is not a meal that you have once and you never return to it again. Maybe you've been on, on vacation somewhere far flung. You go to a, a, a restaurant, everything's wonderful, maybe it's a little bit too expensive for uh, your liking, but it's vacation and you figure uh, we're here and uh, might as well do it once, we'll try it once. You go and the meal is amazing, everything is delicious, every single bite, you wish it wouldn't come to an end. But the whole time you're thinking, there's very little chance that I ever come back to this place. So I'm just going to enjoy it. It'll be a good story. It'll be a good memory. I'll have it once. I'll be able to say that I have it. And that will be enough. This is not what Christ is as the bread of life. This is not what Christ is as the food and nourishment for our souls. He is our daily bread. He's our daily bread because we need him in that way. We need him daily. We need him every hour to be the strength and the nourishment of our souls. And of course, he is described that way once again because it's only him. It's, it's only in Christ and by the power of the Spirit that our souls can be nourished. And they need to be nourished. They need to be fed. We starve our souls and we endanger ourselves. Without continuing to partake of Jesus by faith, our souls will starve. John chapter 15, the Lord says, Abide in me and I in you. Remain in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So to trust in Jesus savingly, with saving faith, is to be perfectly righteous, to be reconciled to God. But those who are given this faith, those who are given this saving faith by the power of God, truly realize their need for Jesus. To be convinced of the truth of the gospel, that it's only in Christ you will be saved. To someone who knows that and someone who believes in that and who looks to Christ for all of these things, they're never going to be found too far from Jesus, are they? They're going to know that the best thing for their souls is to stay near to this perfect Savior and to abide in Him. For He is their life. He is their righteousness. He is their salvation. This picture of the vine and the branches that Jesus gives to us, we know that a living branch connected to a living vine receives nutrients. It receives resources from the vine. And we ought to, to push this picture to that extent. Because that is precisely what the Spirit of Christ does as we abide in Christ by faith. We abide in Christ by faith, trusting all that he is for us, for the salvation of our souls. And as we continue to abide in Christ by faith, the Spirit enables and empowers us to live more like Christ. To be more and more united to 
Christ. 1 John chapter 3 says this, The one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And we know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given to us. And what is, what is it that the spirit does when the spirit is given to us? In a sense, he gives us the life of Christ, the nutrients, the nourishment that he brings to us is the life of the vine. He gives us that life. And he causes us to live more like Jesus. That is how we are to think of Jesus and the Spirit. That we have the power of his life living inside of us. That the Spirit is given to us as the Spirit of Christ in order to make the life of Christ appear in our lives more and more. The Spirit dwelling in us, that's an objective reality to those who are joined to Christ by faith, by the power of God in the gospel. You have the life of Christ living in you. And so to live by the Spirit, as the Catechism says, is to be governed by the Spirit. That we joyfully bring ourselves under the government of the Holy Spirit and we live more and more like Jesus, and we bring our lives more and more into alignment with God's will. So a couple of things of what that will produce, right? It means that we will love Jesus more. To abide in Christ by faith and to live in the power of Christ means that we will learn to more and more love Jesus. John 14 If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. It means we will love Jesus more and more, to have that life of the Spirit given to us and living inside of us. It means that we will learn to joyfully keep God's word, and to live in light of his commandments. For, uh, John 14, once again, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. To have the life of the Spirit means you will love Jesus more. It means you will keep his word. And then, of course, it means we will love one another. We will love one another. Why? Because we are given the same spirit. We are all uh, being brought more and more into the likeness of Christ together on this journey. 1 John 4.12 No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So to eat Christ's flesh and to drink his blood, as we read, it means to believe in Jesus, that he is the perfect accomplishment, the perfect savior, our perfect redemption, our righteousness, everything that we need, we find it in him. It also means to abide in him, that as the spirit lives inside of us, we are enabled more and more to live like Jesus. We are brought into greater and greater union with him. And as we consider all of this with John chapter 6, what does this mean for the sacrament of the Lord's Supper? What does it mean? It means that when we come to the table, we come not thinking that this is mechanical. Uh, We come not thinking that there is some 
magic here. It's not as, as, as if simply touching the elements to our tongue gives us the benefits of Jesus Christ. Rather, this is a picture, a sacrament that God has given to us that reminds us of what it means to believe and to abide. And it reminds us of the importance of believing and abiding. And as we come to the table believing in Christ and seeking to abide in Him, God, by the power of His Spirit, gives us grace to believe in Him and to abide in Him. There's this reciprocal nature to it, that we come in faith. And as we come in faith, the Spirit lifts up our hearts to where Jesus is, seated at God's right hand. And because of that... We are given grace to love him more, to love his word more, to want to serve him more, and to love one another. To come to this table reminds us that we constantly need nourishment for our souls. We need all that Jesus Christ is for our spiritual life. So we come and we eat in faith, and when we do, when we eat in faith, we are given wonderful blessings, sanctifying grace, Uh, that we might love Jesus more, that we might uh, be more and more united to him. Indeed, in a special way, in a way unlike anything else on this earth, we are refreshed in Jesus Christ when we come as believers to the table of our Lord. So come believing and come as a picture that we remain in Christ and continually trust him and become united more and more to him as we live by faith and as we abide in him and live in the power of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let us then go as we make preparation. Uh, Let us go to page 156. 156 in the back.